With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello everyone and welcome to the WTF1 podcast, Race 1000 edition. As you can probably tell, I am not Matt Gallagher. Um, I'm Jess, but Matt's currently on holiday. So you're stuck with me hosting for this week's podcast. Very confused audio listeners. I know, right? I can't see you. Yeah, mm. sorry. Sorry about that, guys. Matt hasn't gone through some uh, some uh, some. He's not decisions. mourning Charles' unfortunate race. He is genuinely on holiday. Yeah, I think he wasn't he out watching the Masters in, yeah. in America, watching yeah. Tiger Woods win. So, the wrong sport, but we'll let him off. Yeah, know. yeah, we'll let him off this one time. So today I'm joined by a, a regular now on the WTF1 podcast, Mr. Dan Thorne. Yes, yes, I am unfortunately regular, getting roped into this. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's good fun. I'm enjoying it. Good, good. And then also returning is the founder. Thank you. What, what a race to return to. I'm I know. really excited about this riveting Grand Prix that I've blessed everyone with my return for so yeah yeah you've, should be good you've come back for a good one yeah definitely speaking of which should we dive straight into our fans three-word race review all those really positive three-word race reviews yeah yes for hashtag race 1000 which i don't know if you noticed it was race 1000 it was was it yeah yeah oh yeah. Oh, i wish i'd known that <laughs> <laughs> so let's start with the the fans as we said so we have one for and i swear I now know what Matty goes through when we have to read out fans' handles because Malone and Cohen. I did. I'm going to go this. with when Malone I was putting and Cohen. Him down, I was like, "Are you going to be okay with his name?" <laughs> Deliberately chosen the most difficult yeah. to read. So at Malone Cohen says nothing to see. MRC J Lambert not very good. Tim underscore Stolter king of boring. King I wonder who the king is. Was that it's, meant to be kind of boring or king of boring? I'd say maybe kind of boring. But anyway, let's stick with king of king boring of because that sounds a bit more epic. Um, <laughs> and finally, Torn underscore VZ says waste of time. So again... Pretty savage uh, race reviews. It, it, it was, but I think in some cases it's, it's, it's fair. I think the hype around it um, maybe led it up to a bit of a failure like anything less than spectacular especially coming off Bahrain it was probably going to be a bit of a tough one to follow but let's jump in Tommy with your three word race review which is kind of an answer to those an answer to those fan those fan three word race reviews mine is it's one race as in chill out guys that could also be the three word race review chill out guys Uh, chill out guys okay Um, yeah I mean yeah let's be honest the race wasn't very good not a lot happened um very little on track action even the midfield uh, it was really weird because china is normally a pretty good race right um but yeah it's just a bit disappointing but i heard a lot of people after the race and we get a lot of comments you know like f1 is dead like racing's over it was so much better back in the day and i mean realistically we've just had bahrain the race before where you know charles almost won it was a really exciting race and you know like just chill out a little bit i'm sure we'll have plenty of good races it was just unfortunate that the 1000th race was a bit of a crap one yeah yeah i mean every series has it you know like i watched 
IndyCar at the weekend, you know, kind of hoping for like, oh yeah, the Grand Prix wasn't that great, kind of hoping for a bit of IndyCar craziness. And that was a bit unspectacular as well. It's just the way motorsport is sometimes. Yeah. And I I was thinking actually, because I watched the highlights of the 2018 race and yes, okay, it had probably had more action than this year's race, but actually if the Toro Rossos hadn't have smashed into each other, it probably would have just played out as it as it stood. I remember watching and being like, oh, this is getting a bit boring. And then we had the Toro Rosso collision safety car and all hell broke loose. And it actually turned out everyone was like, oh my God, this is an amazing race. It seems like this era of F1 is like that, where mm. even, even like we were talking about Baku, like could be really good again. But if you think back to Baku last year, it wasn't a crazy race until you had that safety car. So like until you get that kind of point where it changed that's when the crazy races sort of happen but unfortunately we just never got that but yeah the it was a big over exaggeration i think for Mm. the race like if charles leclerc had won that race and it had been a great race everyone would be like you know what a great sport it is we've got new faces in and like the future's looking really bright and that could happen in baku you know like charles could win in baku and everyone would be you know saying how great f1 is so you know yeah exactly that um and a lot of people were saying actually that the formation lap had more action than the actual race <laughs> uh, yeah i missed that i went to the toilet no! <laughs> so literally the only good bit of the race i was like <laughs> uh, i'll go to the toilet nothing will happen on the parade lap get get back for the start of the race and missed the most exciting lap of the entire grand prix so we had two cars spin on the formation lap which is not something i think i can ever remember or recall seeing that having two cars spin yeah, I can't remember two. I can remember one a few times. Yeah. But, but for two cars to do it is slightly unusual. I mean, like sometimes you get races that are so good where you forget some of the epic moments that have happened. But I think this race was so bad that I'd even totally forgotten that there had been spins on the warm-up lap because it had just been overridden by just grey mush in my head. Kubica had quite a funny quote, didn't he, that was like the um, the most exciting part of the race was when I spun on the formation lap. And it's quite funny that was his kind of review of the race but also probably many fans reviews yeah. of the race as well yeah. because it was like the main thing so speaking of of what fans were saying we had a couple of questions in um so little underscore mlo says do you wish any other circuit had hosted the 1000th race not really I, I, it doesn't really bother me to be honest i mean you look back at some of the other milestone races you had singapore with crash gate barring was the 900th we had that epic battle between rosberg and hamilton if the think, race had been good, it'd been fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But like for some of the like the events at the weekend, like maybe historic races or like displays and stuff like that, it might have been better if it was at Silverstone or something. But I don't think you can just change the calendar just to have the thousandth race be somewhere yeah. totally unsuitable. I mean, that was all. I, I have so many three word race reviews that maybe it's just because I've not been on the podcast for a while. <laughs> but another one of mine was probably going to be like, why no festival? Like mm. F1 promised this big festival uh, to celebrate the 1000th race and all you got was just a logo yeah. in the corner yeah. like Crofty said it at the start when the lights came out where was the classic displays like Damon Hill drove Graham Hill's Lotus I only saw that on his own Instagram yeah yeah um, and there was a special uh, liveried up uh, Heritage F1 car yeah, as well but like, didn't do much didn't, didn't do much really yeah I, I think you um, you kind of ruined it with, I said this to you before, you kind of ruined it with your April Fool, which I started to fall for because I was on holiday. I had no idea what day it was. 
and I went and I was like, oh, that's cool. They're doing like special liveries for the race and like they're doing all this stuff. And then it obviously got progressively more stupid as it went along. And I was like, what date is it? Oh, it's 1st of April. Dan, just share, just share a few snippets from that. Article, um, if you can. Well, there was some like slightly sensible stuff. So you had, you know, like classic liveries, um, like displays of historic cars. But then it got a bit more stupid. Like there would be a thousand lights counting down to the start and uh, <laughs> like a foot race between all the drive, like every F1 driver to existed and stuff like that. And it was, uh, you know, it was the sort of thing where you kind of got to the end and was like, I kind of wish that was true. But I think the thing about the race that maybe made it a little more dull and I put something on Twitter about it on the WTF1 account was you're almost expecting some kind of like, because it's the thousandth race, there's no way it could be bad. And as it got like halfway through the race, you're almost expecting like, oh, where's like the like the track suddenly becomes lava or <laughs> like, you know, like you have to have square wheels for two laps or something stupid. But it was just unfortunately just a bit of a dud race. Yeah, I think for, 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 for me, it was I don't really understand why there was any in a thousand races. And obviously there was a big debate actually as to whether there were it was actually the thousandth race or God, the yeah. thousandth world championship event, as everyone was getting very upset about on Twitter. Shock. Yeah. Um, but it's a great milestone to have. And I think it's amazing to see the history. That's the, I think that's the biggest thing that I loved about the entire lead up was that you know, F1 played historic races live on its YouTube and Facebook pages. Um, we kind of had an excuse to look back at some of the greats and kind of remind ourselves of how far the sports come. And that I really liked about it. But the race itself, for me, it was like it was, the fact that it was the thousandth race is a footnote. It's not yeah, really yeah. something. I think the whole race that, weekend didn't seem to have anything like you. you but me- I don't think it, it's you mentioned it needed all that. It. I think you mentioned all that stuff, and yeah, there was a lot on like social media and stuff about like classic races and oh, how great and Senna was and Alan Prost and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But the race itself, there was n- no like pre-race, maybe something. There was that um, F1 put together a one-off um, intro VT. Yeah, that was really cool. It kind of like inspired really like that. all yeah, that nostalgia, good. like in the lead up, and every like every F one fan gets hyped about the intro and the build up. And anyway, so I think that was a nice thing to add in. Um, it might have been nice to have shown some of those laps, as you say, of like Damon Hill and Graham Hill's car, and some more. I was expecting maybe like a heritage race, but yeah, do you know I what? Like I again, like or something. But I just I don't think it. I feel I feel like people are getting upset over it, whereas it it's just a, it's just another it's race. Just a race. Yeah. It's one race. You know? That's my three red we're going, yeah, we're going. We're going <laughs> stop it with your three red race reviews, Tommy. You've had your go. I need but, more. You know, we're going to Baku next. In, well, in a couple of weeks, and that's race one thousand and one. You know, the, 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 it's going to keep going. I think it's. I mean, yeah, I just, for me, it's... Not going to lose sleep over it. Exactly that. And I'm not going to get upset that that there wasn't that much done about it because there's so much, especially in the era of Liberty Media, there's been so much like pomp and circumstance and like overhyping and media stuff that actually sometimes I get a little bit blinded by it. So I'm actually glad that there wasn't that much. I mean, you love Monaco, so when we get to Monaco, let you know. All that, not, hype, not mention, all that hype and a good race. Yeah, not, be good. not just yet. But one thing that people did spot was, um, considering it's meant to be a special race, the camera work was shocking to say the least. Again, I don't think I've ever seen it be that bad. 
yeah that was really strange like the first time it happened it was always the same sort of thing like cars it was so cars going through the first couple of corners and then it would cut back to the pit straight in quite a shaky way and the first time it happened i was like oh someone's gone off at the last corner and they're like trying to find the, the crash car or something but then it was just oh no it's just ricardo and perez coming down the straight and then it happened again and again and again yeah and it's like what is this is the director just a really big perez fan or, <laughs> or like but um, there was a comment, I can't remember where it was, someone suggested it might have been on the WTF on Instagram, where it was um, the the director was, there was obviously some sort of error where instead of cutting to the straight after the first yeah, complex, the they were going to the pit straight by mistake. And it I was like the same mistake every single time. Like yeah. it wasn't just like shoddy camera work everywhere. It was like as soon as they came round into turn three, you were ready for like that next shot and yeah. it would cut back to the the, uh, the, the camera on the pit straight yeah. that wasn't ready to that wasn't ready to be filming cars yeah. so you just had it as some kind of like jaunty angle as some of the midfield were coming by yeah I think one thing it did for me was it was remind me of how tough it is to film cars moving at over 200 oh, yeah, miles an yeah, hour yeah. but also that live live TV like you have one job and that is to cut maybe that was F1 special thing for the 1000th race like yeah. let's let's remind everyone how fast f1 cars are by not being able to film them yeah. very well it yeah. reminds me of like it wasn't that long ago probably like in the early 2000s when it still used to be the local broadcaster who would control <laughs> the camera work so it like imola it would always just focus on the ferraris and it would just be like a little bit shoddy like it still is yeah. at monaco sometimes yeah. but well monaco they still have do they still have that is that a thing uh i think so it used to be like an agreement with bernie and the organizers so i don't know if it's monaco still is, had but... its own tv director and and it was normally pretty poor oh yeah yeah so anyway i think we can all agree that the uh build-up was a bit lackluster and yeah. the camera work wasn't that great but let's actually talk about what happened in the race itself oh yeah so um Sorry, Dan, I'm going to cut in before you. I'm going to go with my three-word race review. Go for Tommy's, it. Which was um, unfair Kvyat penalty. I agreed. Yes, someone actually agrees with totally me on this agree. podcast. I mean, the thing is with that is you think he got a, ten, no, a drive-through penalty for basically making a mistake in a corner, having to correct the car, which then collided with two McLarens. Last year, Verstappen speared into the side of Vettel, spun him round, and only got a 10 second penalty. Exactly. So that's like. I, I think it was a harsh penalty. De- like, yeah. I think w- it should have been penalised, maybe yeah. like five or 10 seconds, but a drive through was a bit. Okay, I agree, I agree with you there. Like, I think some people were saying it wasn't his fault, but I think if you look back, he did have quite a swapper on and yeah, then yeah. sort of speared, not as dramatic. It's the kind of thing that happens mm-hmm. in a first lap. Um, but I mean. I think, yeah, even after he had the oversteering moment he could have kept tighter and avoided it but he didn't and they pinched science him and yeah just like a bad luck situation sort of thing i think that's it and i think everybody was talking i think lando actually afterwards said from his perspective it was a racing incident and i i agree because if you watch all the onboards actually the best onboard to watch from is is strolls who was who's behind this all happening but if you watch you know I mean, Lando loves to test track limits. He loves he to run over the curb, yeah. which I think, you know, it's fine. Like he, if he wasn't over the white line. So technically he's still within track limits, but he was running wide and then came as he was trying to rejoin to make sure that he was back on track. He pinches Sainz, who then gets pinched by Kvyat's oversteer moment. So yeah, science is kind of like maybe, and you can see science locks up. 
So you have all these things happening simultaneously. Science was breaking because he was like, oh yeah. God, I'm going to get... Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So science is trying to back out. Kvyat has no control, always trying to get gain control over his car again. And Lando's coming back onto track whilst all of this is happening. So, you know, any if any one of those moments had happened individually, you probably wouldn't have had that much of a collision. Or maybe Kvyat would have slid into the side of science, but it wouldn't have been as spectacular as it actually ended up with Lando yeah. flying into the air, um, which was really unfortunate because that completely wiped the McLarens out, to be mm. honest. And the fact that there wasn't a safety car when they pitted meant that they didn't gain anything. It was literally just joining the back of the back of the pack, unfortunately. But the only thing Lando gained was a meme on social media. Yeah, but... A bit of an old meme. An old meme. It was an old... People I mean, everyone, everyone seems to love it. And it's great. I think... It's, the fact that a Formula One driver is putting a meme out. of his own crash yeah, yeah. On, on Instagram is very much feels like a new era of drivers, doesn't it? Yeah, but uh, next time, Lando, give us, a, give us a shout. We'll tell you if it's an old meme or not. <laughs> Save you from that embarrassment. No, I'm joking. It was good. It was all good fun. It's all good fun. Um, but yeah, okay. So we're all agreed then that... That, that shouldn't have been a drive-through penalty. No, it was too harsh of a penalty. And I think one of the key points is that Kvyat feels, and a lot of people feel, that his previous reputation yeah. has caused the stewards to go, oh, it's the torpedo. Kvyat's involved. Yeah, that's, Kvyat's involved. That's it must be his fault. Give him a big spank. Yeah, yeah. I, would, spank. I would love to have known what the that, that stewarding process yeah. and how they came to that reasoning because the stewards have access um I, as i was told at when i went to the conference in geneva a few months ago um they have access to a amazing data bank of every incident at every corner in every race that they ever want so they can they can basically pick up any precedent before and say, okay, what was what was given in this incident? Can we make it fair? So I don't know of any other like that seemed as soon as they said a drive through penalty, I was like, that is for the a lap first one lap, yeah, incident. First the thing is as well, that in, is so harsh. In Bahrain, there was that incident between Stroll and Grosjean as yeah. well, which looked a lot more. That wasn't given a penalty, but it looked just kind of like Stroll just sort of squeezed into Grosjean yeah. and knocked him off. That it would have been made more sense to me if that had got a penalty and this hadn't, rather than the other way around. So it's just a bit more inconsistency by the looks of it. Yeah. Inconsistent again. Yeah. Again, Consistent seems to be a common thread when we're talking about penalties. But so after all that happened, obviously we settled down, had a few laps and then Dan's three word race review, we had this happen. Uh, Ferrari's futile fumble. Oh, yeah. yeah. Do you want to dive a little bit into what you mean by that? Well, it's obviously the, the team orders between Vettel and Leclerc and Vettel looked quicker when he was behind Leclerc, who got him off the start. And obviously, as any driver does, says, I'm quicker, let me ahead. They Ferrari gave Leclerc the chance to speed up or let him through. And then he, it looked to me like he did pull away a little bit. Mm. But then the call came to let him through and Charles came over the radio and said, but I've done what you asked me to sort of thing. Um, then Vettel got ahead and didn't pull away and was just not, locked. He locked up twice, didn't locked he? Locked up and was trying to get yeah, away. Turn yeah, turn 14. He yeah. locked up twice big time. And it left Charles in the kind of danger zone of Verstappen as well. Yeah, so. yeah. It was. Um, Do you think they did that because they they had done the same but in reverse in Bahrain? No, I just, I think personally it's just a little bit clumsy of Ferrari, like, this is the first time in a long, long time they've had two top drivers who theoretically have equal status 
and can challenge each other. But Ferrari doesn't know how to manage that, whereas Mercedes has had years of doing it with Rosberg and Hamilton and now occasionally Bottas and when he's on form. And you don't see other teams making these sort of, like, they don't really know if it's the right call, but they're just sort of doing it because they think it is. It doesn't seem like there's a plan in place. Uh, yeah, I think they're... I, I wrote exactly the same thing, that everyone's really going in ham on Ferrari for, like, oh, it's another year and they're already, like, bottling their strategy. They don't know what to do. And to be fair, like, they're in a very difficult situation where, for the first time, like you say, in a few years, like... We when uh, Vettel and Kimi were racing, you pretty much would guarantee that Vettel would always be ahead. So when Raikkonen was ahead in those few incidents, we were on the podcast going, they need to implement team orders. They need to get make sure Vettel's getting every point he possibly can get, winning all these races. But now they're in an awkward situation where, you know, Vettel has beaten Leclerc in the first race, and you're like, okay, they're making Leclerc stay behind. Um, the next race, Leclerc was so much quicker and he ignored team orders and went for himself. They're in an awkward situation where we don't really know yet who is going to be their top driver. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it, it's, it's difficult to manage because it's two drivers always trying to be on the same part of the racetrack. Like, I genuinely thought it was the right call that yeah, for, for Vettel to be let through because yeah, it looked like he was faster when he did get ahead you went oh it's just for i don't really have that much pace yeah this weekend yeah. whatever reason that is but you, it's funny that you mentioned about mercedes actually because one thing i did write down was to be fair like mercedes had two drivers when mercedes did have two drivers that were challenging each other no disrespect to bottas like rosberg and hamilton were going for the title together that's very true yeah and um, they didn't manage that very well they didn't didn't. and the only reason they were picking up one twos is because their car was so much quicker than everyone else if you think some of the races like one thing that came to mind was where Rosberg went for a ridiculous lunge at turn one in Russia I think it was oh yeah yeah and you know everyone's like what are you doing but he finished second anyway because their car was so much quicker than everyone else so it's not as embarrassing whereas if he'd finished sixth seventh losing constructors points to Ferrari everyone would be going you need to sort this out which is currently what's happening which is currently what's happening with Ferrari yeah yeah Yeah, they need they need to get a plan together I think because I mean and everyone everyone's very quick to jump in and say team orders should be banned and without repeating our uh, Russia GP podcast from last year it's a team sport Whilst there are individuals in cars on the racetrack, it's a team sport and the whole team's aim is to get both cars home as as high as possible with as many points as possible. So team orders are always going to be necessary Um, and they don't always get it right, but, you know, they definitely should have the choice to... Um, use them if if necessary. So... It's um, easy to say, it's easy to like poke fun at Ferrari for like ruining the strategy, but... From my point of view, I genuinely don't know who they should back for the title. And no, I think I don't, if you no. ask all these fans that are saying like, oh, Ferrari have screwed, like, yeah, like, I don't, yeah, maybe they're, they're not quick enough. Yeah. Simple as that. And Hamilton's got the title, you know, like, he's got a big enough advantage anyway. But Vettel, I don't think Charles is miles ahead of Vettel. No. Not, no. Not by any stretch. Like, Charles had that really good race where he was very quick and should have won. But at the same time, you know, like Vettel out-qualified. 
Charles, Charles to me seems a bit more hungry for it, but I think he's probably got a little bit more to prove because he's the young n- newbie who Ferrari have placed a lot of faith and pressure on. Um, but I was saying this to to somebody at the weekend. You know, Charles has got hopefully many more seasons to prove he's top dog. But of course, he's going to come into his first season all guns blazing because that's the kind of racer he is. Um, and Bonotto came out afterwards saying, actually, he's happy that Charles is angry yeah. with how that went because that shows that he bloody wants this. He wants to be number one at Ferrari. And that's what you, you do want, as we've kind of touched on. I couldn't imagine how difficult that is to manage internally. Always trying to be on the same part of the racetrack. And it would it have looked even more stupid if they'd gone, oh, actually... Um, yeah, Vettel isn't quicker, and then swapped them back, and then everyone would be like, they don't know what they're doing. Like yeah, they're, yeah. they're too busy switching the cars around. Like they don't know what to do, and it is such an awkward situation Definitely. because their two rivals, Red Bull and Mercedes, have clear like number one drivers. Whether they don't state that they're number one drivers, they're the better drivers that are always going to be ahead. Arguably, speaking yeah. speaking of Red Bull. And the fact that they definitely don't need to worry about team orders right now. Shall we? Shall we have a quick conversation about the uh, the Red Bull group? Should we say because Albon is looking like the golden boy yeah. at the moment after the race he had, and he was driver of the day as voted for by everyone. Did we all agree with that? First off, do yeah, we think yeah. he's yeah. Driver, yeah. driver of the day? Definitely. I don't think. Well, we'll go into it later, but yeah, like driver of the day. Yes, he he did a amazing job and what a time to do it when Gasly is clearly struggling like yeah. what what a time for a Torosso driver when a Red Bull driver is struggling to show everyone you know because no one rated this guy really no I think it's a big surprise yeah absolutely and especially after his accident in FP3 yeah that yeah. put him out of quality um that was quite that was quite a tank slapper that was really wasn't it yeah yeah I mean it was just like uh, shades of when Giovinazzi did the same a couple of years ago it's yeah. like it's quite a difficult corner to, to get right and it seems like if you get on that astroturf too much you go in you go in round whether you go in the wall or not is just like pure luck almost yeah so pit pit lane to p10 not bad it was, it was a good, Rosso, it was a good yeah, drive yeah, yeah it was a good drive. and it wasn't just there were a lot of pit lane overtakes but also like he made some moves on the track um, yeah, he made some moves on, on the track, yeah, think, Magnussen, which Magnussen isn't the easiest guy to overtake. So fair play. So obviously a lot of the fans like uh, Yawn underscore Devlas is saying, do you think Red Bull should replace Gasly? And I feel no. like we've had this question every single podcast now, um, purely based on the fact that Gasly just appears to be nowhere at the moment. Um, it's too early. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think I agree. I think, you know, I think based on Red Bull's history, it's pretty tempting to go, oh, Helmut Marco's going to come in and go, right, you're out. Gazi, you're demoted back to Toro Rosso. Albon, let's give you a shot because you're looking promising. Also, at the same time, like, Verstappen was such a one-off. Like, they put him in that car because Ferrari and Mercedes were like, we want, we want this guy. And yeah. Red Bull are like, oh, God, uh, we, we need to keep him. And then yeah. they, like, regardless of how Kvyat, you could argue Kvyat is, was doing no worse than Gasly is now. Um, that was such an extreme situation where they needed to get Verstappen in the car. Otherwise, they were going to lose him to Mercedes or Ferrari and they wanted to keep him, obviously. 
Um, but at the moment, it's too early. Like Gasly's, you know, three races into a is is worrying though. He was again so far off. Yeah, so far off. It was like what was it, six tenths off Max in Q two when he was on the faster tires or something like that. It was ouch. He did get the point though for fastest lap. So, but I think the only thing that that did was was kind of just make the top of the table a little bit more interesting because for me it showcased just how far the top six are ahead like a few people are like oh Renault are doing pretty well they're back and stuff but if Red Bull can make a pit stop just for fun yeah at the end of a race because the gap is so huge just so they can go for fastest lap it shows that if anything the the top six are just pulling further away yeah I think it was um bit of a segue but Ted's notebook returned randomly out of nowhere um, Ted was back. Ted's back, but I, he was saying in in the notebook that um, obviously uh, Ricardo finally got his first points in this race, um, but he finished twenty one seconds behind Gasly. Gasly made three pit stops, and mm. Daniel still finished yeah. twenty one seconds behind. So it is it is another yeah, just another example of how far those those top guys are away from. I think they're else. they're very much banking on like twenty twenty one, aren't they, and hoping that the order. But I don't think that's closer. new information, is it? I no, think they've, no. They've outwardly come out and said that yeah. on a number of occasions. But um, I think it still, it was still good to see Ricardo actually having a clean, a fairly clean weekend. Yeah. Not yeah. that we saw him in the entire race. No. I don't think the camera showed him once, <laughs> apart from when it was <laughs> upside down, yeah. not ready to film. But yeah, it was good. Yeah. But um, a- another, another MGUK problem for Renault with Hulkenberg retiring. Yeah, pretty early into the race as well, wasn't it? Lap seventeen, something like that. Yeah, yeah, it was very early. It's, it doesn't look good, does it? And with, especially after the double retirement they had in yeah. Bahrain, yeah, it's, and it's making Red Bull's decision to switch look like the smart move because you know Red Bull and Toro Rosso have run pretty much flawlessly, reliability wise, three races into the season already. So that's quite surprising, actually, because yeah. I really expected Red Bull to have a lot more mechanical issues, not because I thought. I ever for a moment thought that all the McLaren Honda stuff was like Honda just being terrible. It's more the fact that like Red Bull are well known for like pushing their car to the limit, yeah, yeah. especially like Adrian Newey will, you know, want a car that's 25 seconds a lap faster than anything else, even if it blows up in three laps. But I think they were saying, I think this was being said on the Netflix documentary um, that Honda allows a lot more of an input from the teams in terms of the engine development. So the engines are almost being custom made for their cars rather than Renault turning up, dropping an engine in to, I don't know, to McLaren and going, here you go, yeah. off it, you go. Just a better working relationship, I think, has made it so much better. Yeah. Right. But yeah, and not not another... Not another. Sorry, another retirement yeah. for Hulkenberg as well, which is not looking. Not looking. I oh, mean, his, his first of this was it his first, or is he DNF'd already? In Bahrain, he did. Yeah, yeah. So. What was the problem in Bahrain? Because I kind of I was on holiday and missed all the post. I think it was chat. similar. Wasn't it was it? another. So they've apparently they've got a chronic MGUK problem. No, chronic MGUK problem. So the kinetic part of the of the of the engine is is not functioning correctly Ouch. yeah got to imagine so, if red bull had stuck with them yeah i know horner what? versus a beat ball part 10. yeah i don't know if the world could handle that kind no. of level of, of of ego really but there mm. we go so um the other thing that we that we noticed 
um, Tommy, you were having a lot of fun with this, was after the race finished. Oh, the best race of all time, as it was said on the screen. <laughs> exactly that. Do you mm. want to tell us a bit more about what happened there, what you noticed? Yeah, so um, the cool down room, this this is how kind of dull, I guess, the race was, that <laughs> we, we were finding anything to talk about. And um, an unlikely star of the race was um, someone who appeared on the uh, cool down room, which as you see, like you, you know, after the race, you see these tweets that come up that says like, what a mega drive from Charles Leclerc, that's incredible and blah, blah, blah. Um, but one of them, let me just find it, uh, it was so over the top that I thought it was a bit suspicious. Um, something like, wow. It was uh, like, it said race 1000 oh, had well, everything yeah. you could wish for for the thousandth race. Uh, wow, race 1000 was the best F1 race ever. What? Here's hoping the next 1000 are just as good. And that appeared on the screen behind Hamilton after he'd won the race in the cool down room and uh, IGP manager um, on Twitter, like I saw it from there and someone was like, does this say what I think it says? That's a bit weird. <laughs> so, um, I mean, there were, there were enthusiastic fans yeah. and then and you're just that. like, that is just not real or like who is saying that? Anyway, um, found this, the person on Twitter that had tweeted it and uh, the first interesting thing was the fact that they tweeted that before the race even started. <laughs> uh, they also tweeted that Bottas had won the race. And, uh, you know, another tweet was something like, um, uh, like, congratulations, Bottas, what a drive. Um, this is a race that will be remembered for a long time. Um, and yeah, I was just thinking like, this is really weird. And then I noticed in his bio, it said works for Formula One. Which it doesn't anymore. Which it doesn't anymore. It just says enjoy enjoy motor racing. That's then, what it says. Yeah. So and, not even enjoys motor racing, mm. just enjoy motor racing. And then it became this whole sort of like everyone did their best detective work. I think you uh, you found something that he was an IT engineer at That's FOM. Yeah. Someone else posted um, something on his Instagram that was like he him like ready for the FOM party or something. So so like my conclusion was okay. So there's a guy that works for Formula One who's tweeting that the best that was the best f1 race ever he works in it and his tweets are appearing on the screen are these even real these I, tweets that so are appearing what, on the screen? i think what a lot of people the conclusion that a lot of people came to which i i have to agree with is that he is responsible for testing the tweet deck as yeah. it appears on the screen and it just so happened that his tweet appeared live yeah. i don't think his tweets are meant to are meant to appear but i kept thinking like you know why why are they still there because a lot of his old tweets as you as you found they were like test tweets still there. i think they might have been test maybe test tweets no something. exactly that yeah. but, but surely wouldn't you delete wouldn't you delete them because people are going crazy there's some kind of conspiracy i guess in he F1. never i guess he never expected like when he got back and checked his twitter <laughs> notification <laughs> literally like, going oh. crazy that's yeah. the thing there was one from paul ricard last year or something that said oh congratulations charles on your first podium like an incredible career ahead of you and then someone replied to him at the, that time saying what what, what are you he, talking about what are you talking about and he said oh i just i just want to get on the screen at the end of a race so i don't oh. so i don't know if he is just genuine like he works for it that's a coincidence but he just genuinely wants his tweet on the screen the algorithm at the end of a race because he wrote it well I he does yeah. use he does use all the right hashtags <laughs> and um, emojis a lot of emojis and a lot of emojis but there, but there you go. have been genuine tweets on the screen i will just say like i it's not like 
It's no, not no. F1 appearing on the screen every time. Like no. I have heard some people have been like, oh my God, my tweet made it onto the screen <laughs> to the call down. It was just a really funny situation that you were just like, who is this guy and why is he appearing? I feel pretty sorry for him, to be honest, because his Twitter's probably blowing yeah, up. Yeah, he must have had a but... bit of a shock when he got back. <laughs> but, I mean, maybe he doesn't even check. Maybe his Twitter is purely for... Actually, I, I looked at his feed. He does tweet occasionally. About, but, um, about Manchester Dear United. Dear Apple at Tim Cook at Samsung Mobile, what on earth made you think having clicks on the phone every time a key was pressed was a good default setting? Hashtag annoyed. This poor guy's Twitter so is just getting he, absolutely... He definitely uses Twitter for the right reasons. Okay. Um, to have a go at people. <laughs> anyway, it's time to move on to ABCDEF1. I feel like we need say. some race rundown style, extreme cheesy jingle for that. It's yeah. On, just on a xylophone badly. Yeah. We the, should have the, a xylophone in the podcast room and just do that. Oh, we can play We can play the note for each driver that gets it. So the driver gets an A, we can bang the A. At the end. Okay. Yeah, okay, maybe we introduce that for the next maybe podcast. We don't, maybe no. we don't, maybe no. we don't. Okay, so let's start off with a team that we've not really spoken about so far. It's because they're too good. I know. They made safe. it look so easy, didn't they? Well, I don't, well. This is, this is Williams, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah, no, no. So let's start with Lewis Hamilton. Um, I want to clarify. So can I just clarify of something? Of course. Because I this is my first ABCDEF1, of course. Oh, of course it is, it yeah. Is, yeah. Um, this is driver of the weekend, right? This is like a weekend thing, not just a race thing. We've been doing qualifying you've been, in. You've like, been doing yeah, qualifying because I heard you guys mentioning about like, oh, well, he technically wasn't on pole, so he can't. Yeah, but, I think it's yeah. a week. It's a weekend. Round Obviously, up. the race takes major priority. Yeah, but, but uh, you've got FP2. to take into account FP two. It's the big one. The, the FP two performance of George Russell is an A. Um, yeah. Okay. Cool. So Lewis Hamilton, Lewis Hamilton, what do we think? A. A. Really? A. Yeah. yeah. He was so good in the race that even, just, even yeah, despite... Bottas didn't have a chance. It was like, yeah. Well, interestingly, I mean, I guess we'll come on to this when we grade Bottas, but Bottas was complaining that he was he got wheel spin off the start line that was directly in front of his box. Something about the white line or something? The white line, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. the, so the white line is like literally inches away from his start box. And he said that his wheels spun on that line. But when... Again, Ted's back, and he's featuring twice in this podcast now. When he went down to check out the line, he ran his foot along it, and there's no difference in grip I don't, at I don't, all. I don't really buy it. Yeah. And if you look at if you look at the onboard as well, the where, where he wheel spins is like after yeah, the line. It was, it was it's really, not, it's really not unusual like for Valtteri Bottas, two point world champion, twenty nineteen confirmed. Isn't it? <laughs> I know. I mean, do you know what? I made a mistake. I'm so it. mad that Matty's not here. <laughs> <laughs> because he he baited me on Twitter by saying that um, everyone went nuts again, didn't they? Because he qualified. Yeah. yeah, I mean, fair enough. He's qualifying. He smashed Hamilton in qualifying. And yeah. Well, quali- by by seven well. thousandth. I can't say that seven thousandths of a second. Yeah. Um But I mean, yeah, still he got pole, right? Yeah. So he turned so up qualifying, play. awesome. And then usually where Lewis is weaker is the start. Yeah. But Lewis first time he got actually him. got ahead of him. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, Okay. So Hamilton A, so Bottas, Hamilton a, B, Bottas B. B. Yeah, yeah. okay, Agreed. cool. So Ferrari, Sebastian Vettel. C. Uh, well, it's hard. I would say B because... Why a B, not a C? Well, because he didn't have the pace. He just didn't have the pace and he didn't do much wrong sort of thing. Um, Locked it, up a couple of times to get ahead, but it didn't, it didn't make any 
he fought he fended off Verstappen really anyway. well as well yeah, the one okay, bit of overtaking he did defend quite well I thought yeah. he probably well. did as well as Bottas actually now I think about it so yeah B yeah B B let's go for a B okay Charles Leclerc C I, yeah, I he think made a mistake in qualifying, and he was very unhappy with himself about it. Wasn't and he, he, and he did look slow at the start of the race. I know Vettel didn't pull away, but but yeah, I think I think the so. one thing I think yeah. I will give him credit for is how magnanimous he was at the uh, in his post race interviews. Yeah, yeah. Like he 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 could have had a complete hissy fit. Like Verstappen wouldn't have done that. <laughs> I didn't want to say it because people would come after me. But you said it for me, Tommy. So, so there we go. Okay, so what we're saying a C for Charles. Yeah, it's yeah, that is what okay. his name begins with. <laughs> See for sure. Um, Red Bull, Max Verstappen. A star. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Uh, B. Uh, we did it's nothing like, wrong. It's like, like, he's, he's, hard to the, he's getting the maximum, no pun Wait, intended, pun. Uh, out of the car. Like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's, the thing that I'm quite enjoying this year is that he's actually started the season and getting points on the board. Yeah. You yeah know he's third in the championship, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, you get halfway through the season and they, there's all those stats that's like, Verstappen is uh, like scored the most points out of anyone at the end of the season, but he always bottled the start of the yeah. championship. Now he's like in the mix. Yeah, he's doing good. So. And making moves. He went for it. He's the only one that was like, yeah. this race doesn't have enough overtaking. Lunge. We were, we were joking that his lunge was the the best part of the entire race, and it was a lunge that led to no overtake. No overtake. Um, he, he, and it was clean. He knew it was, yeah. that was his only moment. I think B... A? It's hard. It's, hard. it's really it's like hard. In it's between like, A and B, because yeah. he didn't do anything that special, but he didn't do anything wrong, and it was a really let's go solid for let's go for an A simply because he did try and overtake. Yeah. An A. Okay. Gasly. D again. A D, he had I no think. pace. Like, yeah, yeah. He got fastest lap. The thing with Gasly good. is, I think, you know, if he was consistently like three or four tenths behind, then you could say like, oh yeah, he's struggling a lot. But he's so far behind, it's like there must be some sort of problem. He like was fundamentally a, with his, was it like the f- Q1 he was like a second off Verstappen yeah yeah insane yeah he needs to pick up his pace so yeah. he needs a confidence boosting something he, yeah he needs to take a look at his scorecard because it's not looking very good at the moment uh, Renault and Daniel Ricciardo B I can't remember did he out qualify Hulkenberg or not yes he, he did just. well then I'd, I'd probably go A A he made again, a one-stop work, didn't he? Yeah, like, made a one-stop work. He had a very lonely race, didn't he? he, was he just kind didn't of see him. I think we middle. had a few comments that were like, where was Ricardo?" Yeah, but, you know, he didn't screw up everybody's fantasy tables this, this time. So <laughs> oh, yeah. there you go. Although I did remove him from my fantasy team. That's why he did well. <laughs> I know, I think that's why. So there you go. I'll leave you off, Daniel, and maybe you'll have a good rest of the season. Nico Hulkenberg. Wasn't a good, great weekend for him. i go see, I think. Yeah. yeah. Like, I know the mistake wasn't his fault like the failure but he did get out qualified by his teammate and, and he had a bad start yeah, as well he did didn't i mean there was a was it reichenen that that got him um reichenen overtook halkenberg at some point i can't remember which lap it was on now i did make a note of it but now i can't find it the midfield was really hard to follow especially they weren't really showing it either. no no yeah okay so we're going to give him a c yeah, it's yeah. A c. okay a team that didn't really turn up at all haas they seem to have this thing lately where they seem to qualify all right. I know they didn't do they that well this weekend. They get into Q3 though, don't they? Yeah. And then they just fall away completely in the race, like really badly. So Roman, well, Roman Grosjean, let's start with him. What do we give him C? out? Well, I'd, I'd go for a B because he, he, well, he didn't, you can't really say out-qualified Magnussen because he didn't set a lap in Q3. Um, mm. But, you know, he finished 11th. He was closing on Albon at the end in a car that wasn't that great. 
Os países. Sí. Well, now I see. No, I think Why? B again. It's like it's, it's a problem with a really we, yeah. boring race where everyone had really sort of solid drives. It's hard to. Yeah, there was no real standout person no. either, was there? And I guess the same can be said for Magnussen. Yeah, I'd go. Yeah. I'd go C for Magnussen because because he got okay. beaten by Grosjean. All right, so let's move on to the McLaren boys who we've already kind of touched on and didn't have a great race. Carlos Sainz. It's so hard to. Yeah. It's really tough to, be to honest, rate I, them. I was reasonably impressed that he got to the end. He beat Giovinazzi, I think, in the end, didn't yeah. he? Um, so after that first lap, he did sort of get back into it. It's a bit of a shame because I, I think Sainz has shown some good pace and obviously you had the mayor in Bahrain as well. Yeah. Like, I'm looking forward to seeing how he does in back. He just needs, he's, he's he needs a unlucky. clean weekend. Yeah, he needs yeah, a clean yeah. race. Because it looks like he... De- and we were touching touch on this on the, in the last podcast as well. He's, he looks like he's got everything there to actually really take it. To the, to the midfield and kind of bring yeah. McLaren right up there but um, just hasn't had B? a clean weekend B? C? Mm, B? I don't because I, st- I think he was although we're going to say it's a racing incident he was partly to blame for that collision so I don't think I can give him anything higher than a C it's really hard not to just rate all the midfield to C when you don't really see them true yeah. <laughs> see them. Um, and what about Lando? probably same. 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 See, this yeah. is the thing. Like, no, <laughs> there was nothing of note, so it was really hard to rate yeah, people. Yeah, C, C's for McLaren. Perez. A. Perez. A, he was really yeah, good. He yeah. Was. I, yeah, really He impressed. was my driver of the weekend. Oh, really? Not because, Albon? No, because of Albon's crash. I don't think you can give yeah. him driver yeah, of the weekend. Yeah, that's true. I would agree. But yeah, Perez was very impressive. He qualified reasonably way? well from there. Uh, he made a one-stop work, qualified well. I know his teammate isn't doing that well. Awesome um, start. Yeah, awesome yeah. start. And... You know, he was he was hounding Ricardo for most of the race, to be honest. Yeah. I don't think the racing point at, is at the start. You were like, "Oh right, Perez is right up there." Like, challenging. yeah, it's yeah. pretty impressive. Lance Stroll, then his teammate D. Yeah, it just... didn't yeah. see him the whole race. No, I again. don't. Yeah, okay. if you told me he failed to start, I probably <laughs> believe you. I think D, just because he got so he was so lost compared to his teammates' performance. Okay, so let's go that. Let's do that then. Yeah. Alpha Romeo and Kimi Raikkonen. Had a decent yeah. race. I, I was going to say A. He's doing really well a. this season. He's he was, doing well. He's impressed me a lot. He's yeah. Him and Albon no, were seventh the, in the title. Yeah. Uh, only just been overtaken by Gasly in a Red Bull in the championship, which is pretty impressive for a team that were last in the Constructors' Championship like two years ago. So A? A. He's I give him an a. Yeah, nice. he's, he's doing a solid job. Okay. Giovinazzi. Was he in the race? He's, he's, he's becoming like a bit like... Esteban Gutierrez for me, where he's yeah. doing, he does okay, but he's just not really there in the mix. I kind of hope he does because I think he's a quick driver. But analogies, he's a bit of an Esteban Gutierrez. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what are, what are we giving him? An Esteban Gutierrez. That's what we're giving. No, him. no, I need an A B C D E or F. Oh no, there's no E. <laughs> a B C D Esteban <laughs> Gutierrez. No. Come on now, guys. What are we giving him as a grade? C. A C. I, I reckon a D. I think a D, D to be okay, honest, D. yeah. You, wow, you were actually, so actually, easy no, to no, convince. No. no, go for a C because he didn't get to run at all in qualifying, so he did have to start from the back. And so. that wasn't his fault. No, no. Okay, all right. So, Tara Rosso and Torpedo. D. C, D, C, D. <laughs> C, D. He qualified well. I do think he was, part, he was partly to blame. I think he was mostly to blame. It was, it was harsh say, on yeah. his thing, but he got... I think, I think, yeah, I think a D, to be honest. Okay. Not a great especially especially when Gasly's under seemingly under pressure 
and he needs to be yeah because a lot of people thought uh people were making their bold predictions at the start of the year and i saw a few that were like kvyat will replace gasly yeah because you'd think if someone was going to it would be him because he's experienced and knows the team but i mean how could that happen though could you imagine that would be crazy it'd be a pr nightmare but it would give them an excuse to demote him again and therefore give verstappen wins (laughs) yeah Okay, so let's give him a D then. Um, Alex Albon. B. B, yeah. I think a B. Yeah. Just because just of his just crash. Just because of that crash. He did. Yeah. But congrats. Really to, good drive and awesome. To get him to P10. Awesome drive. Um, and I, this is the most difficult team to grade out of them all. Williams. George Russell. Outqualified his teammate. He was, he was in the mix at one point. Yeah. yeah. Someone mentioned like he, he was 12th and I looked at the screen and I did the kind of like... Oh, excuse me, what? How is he 12? Do you know what that reminded me of when I saw that? Like when in the early 2010s, when you would, there would be pit stops and you'd be like, oh, look, Carthur Kane's ninth in a HRT. And it's sad that we're saying that about Williams now. Like, look how high up they are. George also did a two-stop race and Robert did a one-stop and George still finished in front. Mm. Not not It's difficult though, because there's all these things about Cubitz's car is damaged and it's not as it's still like the testing chassis it's not as good as george's so it's mm. yeah i heard that conspiracy theory whether, yeah. it's, whether it's legit or not yeah yeah so what are we what are we going to give the boys because we I'd have give to give them c something. and a d for cubitza c so c for russell d for cubitza i would say b and c because i don't think i think they need to <coughs> in a they're almost in their own little special yeah, class yeah. You know, the, you know the, the kids that get kind of taken off to their own like extra schooling bits. That's kind of where Williams is at the moment. Um, yeah, okay, times. so that's the that's all the uh, grading for the weekend. Now let's reflect on the predictions that we had, and I think Matty's going to be pretty upset. It's a good job he's not here. Yeah. I know that right? first prediction is bold. So <laughs> Matty's Matty's first prediction was the race will have more than one hundred overtakes. We had one. Um, are we counting on track or pit lane? This because this what, was something yeah. we didn't. How many overtakes were there? I mean, maybe does he meant maybe, practice? maybe he meant one point zero zero overtakes, yeah. and you missed the point. Maybe yeah, maybe going for either way. Half a point. Either way, it was never going to be a hundred. Yeah. Um, this one, interestingly, it will be another scintillating race for strategy with one or two stops both being viable. That is half a point. Because it's half a point. It wasn't scintillating. But, but teams, there was had strategy. To, teams had to switch up strategies based I, on it. I think that's why the race played. was disappointing because you did have one or two stops. But it made no difference. But it made no difference and that was... Yeah. That was, why do we think that is then? I, I think there was just there was enough gaps between the teams where someone pitted and then everyone could pit to cover them also, off. Also, I've never seen a race in China where DRS didn't work. Yeah, that yeah. Normally it's really too weird. strong. Like Vettel was within DRS every lap of Charles before he got past and he couldn't get close no really weird shame okay so um dan's <coughs> first prediction were, was the race will be outrageously boring i'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> you jinxed it i did so that is actually one point um and you also said that gasly would beat max and that definitely didn't happen no no so you got no, one no out point of two. there one out of two ain't bad um my predictions were grosjean will dnf didn't happen Good for Grosjean. Um, and Bottas will try a dive bomb overtake, but I don't think that happened either. No. no. Um, so there we go. Fan predictions. Hulkenberg on the podium. Definitely not. Um, at John Dibble, only one Williams will be on the back row. Neither of them were on the back row, yeah. technically. So it's wrong. So, it's wrong. Sorry. so still wrong. Actually, half point. Because Cubits a span, 
didn't he have to start at the back and not resume his position? I don't know if he did or not. Did he? Because the rule is as long as you don't drop. Yeah, because Max behind. didn't. Because Max dropped behind Gasly. But I'm guessing Kubica would have dropped behind, right? So he yeah. had to start from the back. Maybe. Yeah. We'll have to rewatch well, Albin, it. Yeah. Albin started from the pit lane. Yeah. So. Okay, this is getting too complicated. Depending on your definition of back row, let's, you have an let's just give him half a point. Half a point. And at, uh, Chris J. Kimber says Ferraris will take each other out. For dinner? Yeah. No, no, not even that. Not even that. I mean, they didn't take each other out, but they did ruin each other's strategies. They took each other so. out of the equation, yeah. So completely the opposite. So completely the opposite. Okay, so now we're looking ahead to Baku. Yeah. Crazy, crazy Baku. Yeah. Um, Tommy, what are your predictions for Baku? That it better damn well be crazy. <laughs> um, my predictions are science will finish ahead of Gasly on pace. I feel like this will be where science has really strong race he was good last the, year the one race where everybody literally crashes into everybody else and you think science is gonna have this is gonna be his this clean is gonna weekend. be his one well he he did all right last year didn't he did he get fifth last year he did right? actually yeah, yeah. science was um he was one of the one of my top drivers of the weekend at baku last mm. year it's hulkenberg that crashes every time at baku isn't it yeah it is uh, which oh sorry you're trying to steal sorry. dan's prediction uh, ricardo will say well done baku in an interview and I mean, probably a, a lot of interviews that's so. a guarantee i just wanted a point it's okay. been a while that was it yeah that was too Actually, easy a race will happen <laughs> yeah dan the what race were will you, be in baku dan what were your two predictions um well as tommy's already spoiled i think hulkenberg will bin it in the race for a third year in a row that's harsh, but probably true. <laughs> and, um, and your second prediction? Uh, we'll see a car upside down at some point over the weekend. I mean, yeah, <laughs> two for one. <laughs> That's yeah. I mean, efficient, efficient predictions there. If that comes true, so my predictions were there will be more than two safety cars. I think last yeah. year we had two or three. Two or three. There, was, there was two. Yeah, there was two. Um, and kind of related to that is that there will be more safety car shenanigans. So something. Like an Ericsson's fault moment again. Like an Ericsson's or, fault moment or a Vettel sideswiping Hamilton or whatever it might be. But something, whilst the safety car is running... Two cars stop and they have a fist fight. Exactly that. Yeah. I mean, that's why I've kind of left it open-ended. Okay. Anything. You're just kind of cheating. I just so want a point. Really general. Yeah. yeah, I just want a point. So fan predictions at ZP Scissors says... <laughs> Red flag because someone crashes in the castle section and completely blocks it. Could is that happen. is that where someone ends up upside down? It Maybe could, it could be. Um, um. Oh my gosh! At Borvanik, one a non-top what? three team will score a podium. If it's going to happen anywhere, it's going to be, gonna be back here. And at Susie underscore ninety seven underscore Ferrari team orders round four. I mean, I can let's see that hope, happening. Yeah, let's yeah. hope not, but. I mean, yeah. probably will. Yeah. They're just always trying to be on the same part of the track as each other. And it is a headache for Ferrari. Yeah, completely. But so that brings us to the end of the podcast. Hope you've enjoyed listening. Um, I hope we gave some some commentary over a race that where a lot didn't really happen. I was saying it's normally normally we have so many things to cover yeah. that we worry about missing stuff. Whereas at least we could expand a little more on the two things that happened during the race one thing we didn't talk about was the mercedes double pit that was impressive they're just why are we talking about this at the end of the yeah. podcast like where we had nothing to talk about why are we talking about it now but there we go they're just too good at the moment it's quite annoying but good to see that they actually learned from last year because famously last year was oh, yeah. where the red yeah, bulls yeah. double stacked um and they were just showing off weren't they well i don't know if they were because that was quite risky 
Like, mm. It was quite ris- risky to bring both the top two drivers in like that. Yeah. But well, I, it, co- it it covered off the, the potential undercut there, so. Yeah, they had the space to do it, so why not? Why not? They've got, okay. to, they've got to challenge themselves somehow. There you go, Mercedes. <laughs> Last minute nod to your double stack pit stop. But that's it. That's all from okay. us. Next time we will be hopefully in Baku. In Baku. Um, we'll definitely be there. We just don't know if we're going to film the podcast there or not. So we'll see what happens. Um, thanks ever so much for watching, listening. Get involved in the conversation. If you're watching on YouTube, comments down below. If you're listening on an audio platform, make sure you tweet us um, or Instagram DM us, however you want to reach out. If you agree with us, don't agree with us. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, please do leave us a uh, rating. Um, it helps us a lot and get more people listening to the podcast. So do that. Give us a thumbs thumbs up. or a- And well done for you for being a presenter. I know. I'm definitely like, Matthew can come back next time. Link in description. uh, Link in description. Don't forget to like and subscribe. (laughs) All that YouTube jazz. There we go. There we go. Hope you've lasted this long into the podcast and that'd be that'd be a good sign for me. But that's it from us. We'll see you next time. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. (laughs) Backy. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.